This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. At the half hour, we'll have a visit from Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy, and a show that first aired in 1952. But first, we go back even further, to 1948. What was going on that year to entertain folks? Well, slowly the fashions were becoming more daring, with the bikini gaining in popularity slowly, and the first prefab post-war housing to solve housing shortages were starting to appear both in Europe, the USA, and here in Canada as well. The quality was not great, but they did enable the baby boom after the war years by providing young couples with a home to start their family. In Europe, the Cold War took a turn when the Soviet Union blockaded West Berlin in Germany on June 24th, and the U.S. countered with an 11-month airlift of food and supplies. And televisions were appearing in more and more homes. Also, in 1948, the first land camera, the Model 95, is sold in Boston at Jordan Marsh Department Store for, get this, $89.75. This model was the prototype for all Polaroid land cameras produced for the next 15 years. The Polaroid camera cost nearly 15 times more than the popular Kodak Brownie sold at the time for $5.50. Now, on the radio itself, we turn to the Damon Runyon Theater for a show called Hold Them Yell. The Damon Runyon Theater. Once again, the Damon Runyon Theater brings you another story by the master storyteller, Damon Runyon. And this one, Hold'em Yale. And to tell it to you, here is Broadway. Thanks. Well, one Saturday, I am in New Haven for a very large football game between the Harvards and the Yale. And what I am doing there is something which calls for quite little explanation, because I am not a college man. Also, what happens at the football game is quite a story, and one which I will tell to you in a minute. And now, back to the Damon Runyon Theater and the famous story... Hold'em Yale. The reason for my being at this football game goes back to one Friday night when I'm sitting in Mindy's thinking of very little except how I can get hold of a few potatoes that take care of the old overhead. And while I am sitting there, I look up and see Pete the peddler. Pete is a ticket speculator by trade. But at the moment, he seems to have something else on his mind. So I watch him for a minute. Then he spots me and comes over. 
Hello, Broadway. Hiya, Pete. What's the news? There is no news. Say, is uh, Gigolo Georgie around any place? I do not see him. Why? I am looking for him. I see. You do not see. I do not see? He owes me 100 fish. You loan Gigolo Georgie a C-note? Eh, that is plain silly. Nobody loans Georgie anything except maybe a hit on top of his noggin. And that he does not have to pay back. True, very true. Then why are you looking for him? Tomorrow is the large football hassle between the Harvards and the Yales. You know that? I do not read the society pages. Uh, well, well, I give Georgie some ducats to sell at a fancy price. He takes the ducats and does a blow away. Leaving you holding the bag. But I hope soon to be holding his neck. Uh, well, he is not in here. Do you look in the nightclubs? He is always dancing with some doll who pays for the check. Eh, hey, he is nowhere about. I see. Well, someday I will catch up with him. Mm. Meanwhile, Broadway... How are you fixed for cash? I am in a sad state of disrepair. Okay. Come to New Haven with me and the boys tomorrow, and we will see what we can do to come honestly buy a few fish. You want me to help you hustle the ducats? Sure. I figure this is quite an affair, and there will be those who need ducats. We have them, and we sell them. Slightly above the market price. <laughs> why not? As you say, why not? Okay, Pete, you have got yourself another boy. When do we start? We leave on the train tomorrow morning. And when do we come back? As soon as we get rid of the ducats. Why? Do you wish to stay in New Haven? I do not wish to stay any place that is more than five minutes away from Times Square. That is what I tell Pete. But it so happens that I stay considerably longer than it takes to get rid of the tickets. And how that happens begins when I am standing in front of what is called the Yale Bowl. And this is no bowl at all, but is a large concrete place with no roof on it. Well, like I say, I am standing there innocently holding some ducats in my hand in case somebody wants one or two. Then the scene is as follows. Get your hot dogs here, get your hot dogs. Ten cents, one-tenth of a dollar. Get your puppies here. Get hot dogs, curry, get your yeah. hot dogs, get your red hot, hot puppies here. Pardon me. Pardon me. Huh? Are you speaking to me, miss? Yes. Do you have the time? Time for what? Well, I mean, what time is it, please? Oh, oh, it is now uh, 2.20. Oh, oh. Is 2.20 a bad time for you? The game will start in a few minutes. You do not wish it to? I'll miss it. I'll miss it. Well, that is pretty tough to do, seeing as how it is right inside. But Elliot promised to meet me here with the tickets a half hour ago. Oh. Well, uh, look, uh, I have here some choice ducats for said game. I will sell you one for $10. $10? It is a bargain price, because the game is about to begin and the market is going down. I... I have only 50 cents. Well, goodbye, little miss. Goodbye. <laughs> Little miss, why do you have to see the game? My my brother plays for Yale. Oh. Football? Of course. Why? Nothing. I wish I had some money. There are plenty of us who wish the same. But how does it happen that you have none? Well, you see, I, I left Miss Peavy's school in Worcester, and all I had was the fare here. Oh, I see. No, you don't. We will not have an argument about it. I couldn't ask Miss Peavy for any because, well... Because I ran away from the school. Why? It, it's rather a personal reason. Well, as far as I can see, you are in a tough spot. But I am unable to sell you a ducat for 50 cents, so goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for telling me the time. Think nothing of it. Broadway, I am looking for you. How is it going? 
Not good, Pete. I have four ducats left. Oh, great, great. I got one, and so has Milk Air and Nubsy Taylor. And so you are stuck with seven ducats. Yeah, that is so. Say, do I not see you talking with that little doll as I walk up? Uh-huh. Who is she? I do not know her. But she tells me a hard luck story about somebody who is named Elliot and who does not show up with her ticket for the game. Why do you not try to sell her one? Because she has got only 50 cents. Oh, oh here comes Milk Air and Nubsy. How's the luck, boys? No care? Terrible. I still got the ducat, and from what I hear, the game is about to begin. Uh, what about you, Nubsy? There is no market for this ticket. Uh, and the game is about to begin. I am stuck with seven ducats. Uh, Pete, since you are not going to get rid of these, why do you not give one to the little miss, huh? Uh, the one I see you talking to? Sure. Look at it. She is still crying. Eh... It is a hard luck story. Dolls always have a hard luck story. It is part of their character. No, I, I do not think this one is putting on the bike. Why not? Well, she says she comes from Worcester. And dolls with hard luck stories always come from San Francisco. Because the fair is somewhat larger. Hmm, that is true. But I think I got a better idea. What is that? Look, boys. I hustled ducats for many years now. But I never see one of these games. So I think I would like to. How about you, Milky? Me? Nah. Do you ever see one? Nah. Nubsy, how about you? This is the closest I ever get to one, and I do not think I wish to get closer. I often wish to see why suckers pay such high prices for ducats. Now is our chance. I wish to go back to New York. Broadway, there is no train until late this afternoon. We are stuck here? So we might as well see the football game. Well, it is an idea. So, come on. Now, wait a minute, Pete. What about the little doll? Uh, let us see. Come on, boys. Get your skew here. Get your pump, pump. Skew here. Uh, pardon us, little miss. Oh, yes. What is it? My friend here just tells me that you are hung out on the line. I I'm what? He means I tell him that you are going to miss the game due to the fact that Elliot is not here. Yes, that's right. Well, look, uh, I happen to have seven ducats. We will take you in with us. Uh, that is, if you wish to accompany us. You... You mean you'll really take me in? That is what he says, little miss. Oh, I... I don't know what to say. Just yes or no. Yes, and thank you. Then it's settled. Are you Yale or Harvard men? <laughs> is that funny, Milk here? It is. <laughs> I guess it is at that. <laughs> okay, okay, let us go. <laughs> So we all start to walk to the place where we go in. And the little doll is so happy about seeing the game, she is bubbling over. In fact, she is so glad about it that she makes the rest of us real happy that we are able to do the favor for her. She has big blue eyes and turns them on Nubsy Taylor, who is more than somewhat fond of dolls no matter what color eyes they got. Then she smiles at Milky, and I see that he is going to take the count. Even Pete the Peddler is getting soft as he listens to her while we walk along. I can't tell you how sweet you are. Why, I think I'd have died if I'd missed the kickoff. Kickoff? They are going to rub somebody out in there? I think I am beginning to like football. How can you tell when you are not even inside yet? They speak our language. <laughs> I like you. I'd be really happy if Elliot were here. Look, little miss, who is this Elliot that you talk about? He's my... I... Well, can I trust you? Now, that is a foolish question. Shut up, Broadway. Hey, go on, little miss. Who is Elliot? My fiancé, he... Father hates him. As a matter of fact, Elliot and I are going to elope after the game. 
After? Is football more important? My brother's playing today for Yale. You say your father hates this Elliot. Why? Because, well, because he thinks Elliot is... Well, he thinks Elliot's after my money. Oh, you have money? Only what my uncle left me. Just a few fish, huh? Fish? Dollars. Oh, yes. He left me a million dollars. Milk here, milk here. Better be careful how you eat those peanuts. And make her stop talking like that. Well, you know, something tells me this Elliot citizen is no dope. I can't imagine why he didn't show up when he said he would. That is something that bothers me, too. Now? But I won't miss the game after all. Oh, you're all so wonderful to me. I feel as though I'd known you all my life. Uh-huh. It seems we now all have something in common. Broadway, there is nothing common about a million potatoes. Oh, look, here's our entrance. Let's hurry. The kickoff's the best part of the game. Eh, uh, not where we come from. What? Eh, uh, nothing. Eh, uh, let us go in. Huh? You know, Pete, something tells me we better not see this game. Why not? I just got a feeling, that's all. Eh, uh, come on. You'll love it. Here, little miss, take my arm and we will go in in style. Here is another arm for you. Oh, you're all so wonderful. You must be important men. <laughs> like I say, let us go in. Nubsy, Nukir, Broadway, we are now going to college. Well, we go inside what is called the Yale Boat, and it is crowded with people. I cannot believe that so many citizens would sit out in the open to watch the Harvards and the Yales. But we take our seats, and the scene is as follows. Look at all the suckers. Oh, oh, if I only had the ticket concession. Are all these people in here just to see football? Look, look, there's my brother. See him? Way over there. I see nothing but a lot of Indians in blankets. <laughs> Silly, that's the Harvard team. And... Oh, we're on the wrong side. Wrong side? What do you mean? Well, don't you see, Broadway? Look around us. I am. I see more people than there are in Times Square on New Year's Eve. We're on the enemy's side. Enemy? We got enemies here? We will keep our backs together and go down fighting. Little miss, what are you talking about? This is the Harvard side. We are now for Harvard's? Oh, no. You've got to root for Yale. We do? Of course. I'm for Yale. Don't you want to be? If you are, we are. Nubsy, Milky, Yale it is. I am now a Yale man. If that is the way we got it, that is the way we got it. Hooray for Yale! Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're just immense. Oh, look, the teens are coming out on the field. This little doll, she has leather lungs. Say, how many guys play this game? It is practically a gang war. Hey, you guys, take a look around us. What is the matter? I do not like the way the citizens in our immediate vicinity are eyeing our little doll. Yeah, they do not seem to be in favor of the Yales. Oh, I am not prepared for this. No rascal, no nothing. I know now we should go back to New York where there is peace and quiet. Nothing doing. The little doll is our guest. We do not walk out on a guest. We only hope we are able to walk out. They're lining up for the kickoff. Ah, this is what I am waiting to see. Stand up, stand up, boys. Stand up. I do not know why, but stand up. This kid is a born mobster. She is bloodthirsty. Look at what is happening down there. It is a free-for-all. Boys, if we do that in New York, the gendarmes will throw us in the clink. What happens then? Harvard's ball, first and ten on the 25. Oh, I see. Do you? No. Hug up that hole in the line! Hold him, yeah! Look, 
One of the guys in the blue shirt is rubbed out. He was knife because I did not hear a shot. He'll be all right. He's got to be all right. He has only a slim chance the way I see it. There are two tons on top of him. Look, he's getting up. Anna boy, kill him! And she is so young. how long this goes on. From the looks of it until they are all wiped out. Hey, Pete, look. We are getting some dirty looks from the Harvards around us. They do not like the way our little doll is screaming for the Yales. Yeah. Yeah, I see. Broadway, it looks like we might have some trouble. <laughs> well, well, it makes for an interesting afternoon. Now, back to the Damon Runyon Theater and the famous story, Hold'em Yale. Well, that is the way it goes. The Harvards and the Yales go running up and down the grass, knocking each other from here to next Sunday. And our little doll keeps up a steady fire. In fact, she can yell about as loud as anybody I ever hear, male or female. And we keep getting dirty looks from the Harvards in our neighborhood. Then the little doll mentions that she is chilly. And Nubsy and Milky had disappeared during what the doll says is a time out. Then they come back. And the scene is as follows. Here you are, little miss. Put this robe around you. Oh, thank you. I have got a thermos jug of coffee for you. Why, why that's wonderful. Uh, boys, where did you get those robes and things? We find them. Yeah, we find them. How? The hard way. But what is the difference? Little miss... Do you have a mink coat? Well, yes. Why? See, Nubsy, I am right. We would have carried it over for nothing. What has happened? Time's back in. Oh, we've got to score. We've just got to. How'd the matter stand now, little miss? Scoreless tie and, and only three minutes to go. Little miss, you say that citizen who fires the gun is just the timekeeper? Well, that's right. Why? It just makes me nervous, that's all. I figure he's going to hurt somebody. Come on, Yale! Come on! Hey, why don't you go over to the Yale side? your own business. Yeah, yeah. Hold on, Yale. You, you... <laughs> That's a great comeback. Yale's better than Harvard any day in the week. Except on Saturday, which is today. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't say that to my friends here. Are they for Yale, too? Yes. Well, then tell them to go over to the Yale side. We've got seats here and we'll stay. Isn't that right, Pete? That is right. So there. So there. <laughs> and they look exactly as I'd expect you, old man, to look. Especially the one with the broken nose. He means me. And the other one. Where did he get that ear? He is talking about my ear, and I am sensitive about that. I guess we better spread out, boys. Now, wait a minute, Pete. We are surrounded. Do we let them talk that way about us? Oh, look! Look! What is happening now? One of the characters in the red shirts is all by himself. Look at that boy run. Go on, boy! Go on! All the way! All the way! He runs faster than Harry the horse the night the gendarmes went to ask him a few questions. Get him! saying. Why don't that citizen with the rod take a shot at him? Little Miss, is this bad? He's going for a touchdown. Is that good? No, no, we'll lose, we'll lose. He's over! He's over! Oh, no, no, Yale lost. There's no more time left. I do not know what happens, but I gather that it is all bad, eh, Miss? It's terrible. Come on, let's get those goalposts! 
Come on, you Harvard man, let's get those goalposts. What does he say? They're going to take our goalposts. What is that? Look, don't let them take them. I would not give you eight cents for them. You don't understand. They mustn't have the goalposts. What good those posts will be after they get them is a mystery to me. Well, I'm not going to let them do it. Come on, Yale, come on. Hey, where is she going? Search me, but she is heading for the field. She does not want the Harvards to take the goalposts. Pete, let us get out of here. Wait, Broadway. Are we going to stand by and watch the Harvards do something the little doll does not wish them to do? I do not like the crack that guy makes about my nose. And I am still sensitive about my ear. It uh, just so happens I have a dollar's worth of nickels rolled up in paper in case I get in a fight. A dollar's worth of nickels in a guy's fist makes him a pretty tough customer. As a matter of fact, I have a roll of nickels. It's a funny thing, but after feeling around in my pockets, I have two. Then why do we stand here while the little doll is down there? Let us go. No, wait, wait. We are only four of us. I do not care. I wish to look for the citizen who makes the crack about my nose. I think I will give him one like it. We will fight for the honor of the Yale. I do not go to Yale. I never wish to go to Yale. I do not care to defend the honor of Yale. But it is for our little doll. But I... Oh, that is different. Let us go. So we go down to the field and get to where the goalposts are. By this time, there are several thousand harbors tugging at the posts, and I figured the odds are pretty heavy. But then I see that our little doll climbs up and is now sitting on the crossbar screaming at the harbors. Don't you dare! Don't you dare take these posts! Get out or we'll take you with them! You're cowards! You fight a lady! Well, there's some doubt about that! Mr. Look, you hear the little lady do not shake her down from there! Oh, it's you, huh? And your friend. For the last time, do not shake the little lady down. <laughs> no? Here, watch. Pete! Nothing! Broadway! Mildred! Don't let them! Mister, do not do it. The little doll up there does not wish you to. Oh, you're in it too, huh? Well, look, I never did like Durden's. Oh, I think yours would look much better down over your face. Pete, get me out of this hat. Let me out that guy. Pull up my hat so I can see. This is the <laughs> end of peaceful talk. Here we go. Keep your backs to the post, boys, and let's go. Well, about this time, one of the Harvards, who is nine feet tall, reaches over six other guys and hits me on the chin. While I am going through the air, two other guys punch me when I am unable to defend myself. By the time I pick myself up, I am pretty well out of the way of everybody and have a chance to see what is going on. And what I see is Nubsy, Milkier, and Pete battling the Harvards. Nubsy's derby is still down over his ears, but he punches a hole in it so he can see, and he is swinging right and left. But the odds are too heavy. I run back into the battle, and the scene is as follows. So, so this is college? I am having trouble breathing through this derby. We cannot hold out much longer. I am not so tired of getting in as I am of getting up off the ground. I never figured these college boys are so good. Hold them, Yale! Hold it, fellas! Hold it! Oh, wait, 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 don't throw no more punches. Hold it, hold it. Now look! Look, these are game guys. Even if they do go to Yale. What do you say? We call it quits, huh? Hey! Okay, okay, keep your goal, Pulse. Anybody who puts up that good a fight deserves them. Please, help me down. Come on. Nubsy, how are you? I will never wear another derby as long as I live. If I live. 
Nubsy look. My other ear. The good one. Yeah. Now both sides of your head will match. Oh, you wonderful, wonderful man. I could kiss each one of you. I think nothing of it. Yale won't forget this. Neither will we. Does anybody see my shirt? I... Oh, look. Are they coming back? Oh, no, it... it's Elliot. Elliot, here I am. Elliot, darling. Wait, wait, that guy, Elliot. I want you to meet him. He's a Yale man. Yale man? Patricia, if he's a... darling, are you all right? Yes, but if it hadn't been for these wonderful men, I... Hey, Chigolo, Georgie, you dirty little... Pete, now listen, you... Elliot, what's the matter? Stand back, little miss. There is going to be a body going through the air. So, you're Elliot, eh? Now listen, Pete, Chigolo, I... Georgie, and you're going to take this little doll for a ride. You're going to elope with her. What's the matter? Why are you calling him George? Goodbye! I hope the exit is open! Goodbye! Take care of the little doll, boys. I'm going to take care of Gigolo Georgie. Elliot! Come back! <laughs> I do not think he will come back. From the way he is going, he will slow down only when he crosses the state line. <laughs> From the way Pete is going, I say Georgie will not make the state line. <laughs> he does not even make it to the goal line. Oh, the, the coward! Why doesn't he stand up and fight? Little miss, maybe you better turn your head. I will not. He's running from only one man, and, and you... you stood up against hundreds. I hate him. I hate him. Well, you change your mind suddenly. Come on, we'll find my father and I'll go home. Yeah, there's no use waiting for Pete. He will be busy for quite a while. Well, after Pete takes care of Gigolo Georgie, we take the young doll to the railroad station where she says she is going back to Miss Peavy's school in Worcester. We put her on the train, and then we patch ourselves up and go back to New York. And I am very glad indeed to see it. Then I do not see Pete, Nubsy, or Milkier for quite some time. In fact, it is a year later. And what happens then is the payoff, which I will tell you in a minute. that I see the boys again. It happens that I am out of potatoes. And when I look in the paper, I see that the Harvards and the Yales are going to play another game. So I figure I will help Pete hustle ducats. I mosey over to the terminal where I think I will see Pete, and sure enough, there he is. He sees me, and the scene is as follows. Well, 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 Broadway. I do not see you for a long time. How are you? I am fine. And how are you, Pete? Great. Just great. Hey. What are you doing here? You are going someplace? Well, I figure that maybe you will be hustling buckets again this year, and maybe you need another boy? Well, it is true that we are going to see the Harvards and the Yales do it again, but uh, <laughs> I am not hustling buckets. You are not? But you are going to the game. So is Nubsy and Milky. In, uh, in fact, here they come now. Well, what is that Nubsy has got on his head? A hat. But it is not his usual derby. <laughs> no. Hello, Broadway. Hiya, Nubs. Milky. Hello, Broadway. <laughs> what is that you are carrying, Milky? It is what is called a pennant. It has got Yale printed on it. <laughs> I do not understand. The little doll's father is so grateful that we pry Gigolo Georgie away that he invites us to the game in his private box. That right, boys? That is right. And I am wearing a soft hat. Uh, not that I expect trouble. This year there will be no trouble. We are sitting with the Yales. Sure. <laughs> now we're all together, boys. Let us do it again. Okay. 
One, two, three. Bula, 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 hold up, yeah. <laughs> and so ends the famous Damon Runyon story, Hold Em Yale. Listen in again next week for... The Damon Runyon Theater. The Damon Runyon Theater with John Brown as Broadway is directed by Richard Sandville and the stories adapted for radio by Russell Hughes. Vern Carstensen is in charge of production. This is a Mayfair production. Stay tuned for Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Edgar Bergen and his little wooden friend, Charlie McCarthy. In 1936, Bergen performed at a party in New York City thrown for visiting British playwright Noel Coward. This led to an appearance at the prestigious Rainbow Room, where producers for Rudy Valley's radio program saw him and offered him a slot on their show. Ventriloquism and radio would seem to be an odd pairing, but Bergen and McCarthy proved immensely popular. In 1937, Bergen was given his own show, and he'd remain on the airwaves for nearly 20 years. And now, let's get to the show. Richard Hudnut of Fifth Avenue brings you the Edgar Bergen Show with Charlie McCarthy. It's Sunday night and time again for Edgar Bergen with Charlie McCarthy, Mortimer Snurd, and Ray Noble and his orchestra. Brought to you by Richard Hudnut, makers of scientific hair preparation. Tonight our guest is the number one singing star, Rosemary Clooney. And now, celebrating Edgar Bergen Day in Decatur, Michigan, here is Edgar Bergen with Charlie McCarthy. Ah, bless you all, bless you all for that applause. And to our new sponsor, Richard Hudnut, bless you for those checks. (laughs) Well, Charlie? Yeah? Here we are again. What an opening line. (laughs) Bergen, we're here to launch the season, not sink it. All right. (laughs) This is the first show of our 15th year on radio, and it gives me a warm feeling inside that we have chosen to do it right here in Decatur, Michigan, the very town where I gave my first performance. Isn't it sort of like uh, returning to the scene of the crime? Oh, no. (laughs) Just think, Decatur, Decatur. I once walked barefoot down these streets. Yeah, you walked barefoot everywhere until you met me. Oh, no. <laughs> and on Sundays, I would dress up in my Buster Brown collar and with my blonde locks streaming down over my shoulders. Yeah, well, that stream dried up all right. <laughs> 
it's nice that you could get back here for your second childhood. Oh, no. <laughs> I wish you wouldn't give the people the impression that I'm old. At my last birthday, weren't there 35 candles on my cake? Well, there were on the piece I had, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you keep pitching them, Bergen, and I'll keep knocking them out of the park. Yeah. Well, joke if you must, Charlie. But when I think of how nice these people have been to me, my friends, I, I sort of choke up. Well, I'd let you use my handkerchief, Bergen, but I, I got a dead beetle tied up in it all. <laughs> I'm proud of Decatur. Oh, it was in this very hamlet. Down, boy, down. All right. <laughs> this little hamlet certainly produced a big ham. All right. <laughs> I am moved to make a speech at this time. How will I begin? Well, talk about your operation. That's a good opening. All right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Sure drags, doesn't it? No. As I look into your smiling faces... Who's smiling? Or I've seen happier faces on a dollar watch. All right. <laughs> As I look into your smiling faces, I remember my life among you. I came here as a baby. Things were rough then. No talcum powder? No. <laughs> it was in this very theater, in the silent picture days, that I played a player piano. A player piano? Gad, what talent, dear. <laughs> On Delaware Street, there's a little church. And it was in the basement of that church that I gave my first performance. I, I did bird imitations. Bird imitations? Oh, no. Yes, yes, yes. And they were so natural, the birds loved me and followed me. Well, I've heard people say you were for the birds. <laughs> Go ahead, Sonny. Yeah. Listen to this one. There. Uh-huh. You did it, didn't you? Yes, yes. <laughs> Could you identify the bird? Well, now, let me see. I would say... I would say that was a bald eagle crying for his toupee. No. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Was it the making call of a pair of corduroy trousers? No. <laughs> it was the yellow-breasted sapsucker. No, red. <laughs> yes. Well, for your sake, I hope it was a female. <laughs> Why? Well, you'll never be able to explain the egg you just laid. All right. All right, so maybe I laid an egg. But I'm glad I'm here. You know, it feels good to be back home in Michigan. It's just like that song, remember? I want to go back on the farm with a milk pail on my arm. Doing what I did again back in Michigan. <laughs> Aren't you going to say hello to me? No. Oh, sure. Yeah, oh, yeah of course, naturally. Uh, hello there. Hello there, Mr. Uh, uh, well, 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 hello there. Uh, Mr. Uh, oh, come, come. Uh, Mr. Uh, oh, oh, you know. Uh, uh, 
Mr. and Mr. Mr. and Mr. and Mr. Come, come now, your mind is wandering. Well, that's okay. <laughs> Leave it alone, and it'll come home. Dickery, dickery, doc. No. Well, did anything happen this summer on your farm? Yeah, yeah, yes, indeed, though. McCall Bessie had a calf. Uh-huh. Boy or girl? Well, I guess Bessie's a girl, or she couldn't have had a calf. <laughs> I suppose so, Neil. Seems to figure out that way. Yeah. And vacation time goes fast, doesn't it? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way it goes, or... Yeah. Say, Mr. Bergen, who was that feller bellering about beauty as I came in here? Oh, well, that was Bill Baldwin. Yeah? Yes. Name sounds familiar. Has he had it long? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was talking about Richard Hudnut. Yeah. Well, you can see he's the gossipy type, yeah. <laughs> Bill was doing a commercial. Oh, he was? Yes. You see, a commercial serves to tell the audience about the sponsor's product. Well, now that sounds real clever. I wonder why somebody hasn't thought about that before. Oh. Do you know who our sponsor is? Well, I think I caught the name was a Mr. Walnut. No, no, no. <laughs> Butternut. No, no, no. It's Richard Hudnut. Bill, yeah, that's a fellow. Yeah. He's our sponsor. Of course, you know what a sponsor is. Well, it's the husband of the spinster. No, no. <laughs> Sponsor pays for the program. Well, bless his heart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Hudnut does so because he wants to tell the people about Richard Hudnut, home permanent wave. Well, what's that for? To make your home wavy? No, no. <laughs> no, it's so a girl can fix her hair at home to be attractive and wavy. I saw a girl once, her hair was straight and uh, her scalp was wavy. Is that true? <laughs> Well, perhaps her hair was straight because she failed to use a home permanent that had special neutralizer. Maybe so. I don't know. Yeah. You see, the Richard Hudnut home permanent has a neutralizing agent. You know how it works. Oh, yeah. The agent comes to the girl's house and uh, neutralizes her. Oh, no. is a scientific process that safeguards and preserves the natural vitality and the resilience of the hair. Oh, no! <laughs> By the way, Mortimer, you have very attractive hair. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been growing hair for nigh on to 14 years. <laughs> What's the secret of your beautiful hair? Well, you saddle soap. Oh, I... <laughs> Next time, I suggest you try Richard Hudnut Shampoo. Girls all over the world use that product. Well, why? Why? Well, because... Well, confidentially, it helps them to catch a man. You mean the Hudnut stuff helps them run faster? Oh, no. <laughs> well, it's because it makes them look more beautiful. Oh. And remember the old saying. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, what? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> a thing of beauty... A thing of beauty is... Is what? Well, it ain't me. I know that. <laughs> well, I think I'll go home and put some of that shampoodle on my noodle. Well, toodle <laughs> During our 15 years in radio, Charlie and I have had the pleasure of working with many fine singers. 
The young lady I'm about to introduce now, in the short space of a few years, has established herself as one of the all-time greats. Her record sales are, well, to coin a phrase, record sales. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present Miss Rosemary Clooney. Uh, when the show's over, how about joining me in a little stroll down Lover's Lane? How do you know this town has a Lover's Lane? After we're through, that's what they'll call it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Charlie, I like you. You do, huh? Putty, putty, putty. <laughs> but you see, I'm a woman. Yeah. Well, even Eisenhower and Stevenson would agree on that. <laughs> Hello, Rosemary. Hello, Charlie. Yeah, hello. I've been having such a splendid time talking to my old friend. Yeah. My, how they love me. Oh, sure, sure. Bertie, do you want to know what the people in this town really think of you? Well, certainly. Well, I found out. How? Well, I wormed them out of the... Out of the... <laughs> <laughs> Reach 
charged for it. How? I learned it out of him with my tape recorder. Tape Larry McCarthy, they called me. So you talked to my old friends about me. Uh-huh. Oh, I'd love to hear those interviews. I probably will blush a little. Oh, boy. Are you asking for it? Yeah. <laughs> well, Bertie, Ray Noble and I sort of made a production of it. Music and everything. And here it goes. And... <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the voices you are about to hear are real voices. They are the voices of Bergen's friends. And his enemies. Who outnumber his friends. <laughs> the school teacher who taught him figures. The girl next door. Who also taught him figures. <laughs> this is Bergen the boy. Who grew into a man. Oh, I say, you know, we had exactly the same arrangement in England. <laughs> the first person interviewed was Bergen's old girlfriend. <laughs> You know, Charles, looking at Edgar's old girlfriend makes me feel a bit sentimental. Someday I'm going back to England to the girl that I left behind. Is she waiting for you? Well, I'm not exactly sure, old boy. She's married now and has ten children, you see. <laughs> I won't believe we're through till I hear it from her own lips. <laughs> well, the girl had to do something while she was waiting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is the place, Blossom McDougal. I say, Charles, I'm key to a concert pitch. Edgar's <laughs> always talked of how beautiful Blossom was. Oh, quite, quite. Someone's coming. Oh, boy. <laughs> Rick, don't let it crawl back in the sink. It'll fly. <laughs> I say, I'm afraid there's been some mistake, you know. Uh, we're looking for Blossom. Oh, Blossom. You're certainly going to pop. <laughs> Well, you're kind of a seedy pair yourself. Well, old girl, oh, and I do mean old girl. <laughs> We're here to get your memories of Edgar Bergen, you see. Bergen? Uh-huh. Edgar Bergen? Yes. Never heard of him. <laughs> sure left an impression. I see, when I was young, I had so many boyfriends. Sam, Joe, Harry, Tom, Phil, George. <laughs> They'd all sit around begging for my kisses. Uh, really? Yeah. Fellas, where are you now that I need you? <laughs> uh, this might help you to recognize Edgar. Uh, here's a recent picture we have of him. Oh, let's see. Uh -huh. Yes, sir. Oh, what a horrible way to go. <laughs> Remember him? Egghead, the silent sweet. <laughs> Bergen said it was a big romance you two had. He did? Yeah. When Edgar came over to see me, all he did was sit around squeaking his high button shoes. <laughs> so I finally said, Father has his back turned. Now's your chance to steal a kiss. <laughs> what did he do? He kissed Father. <laughs> Now, Charlie, that's not true. Blossom was crazy about me. The next voice you hear is that of one of the town's ex-mayors. Oh, 
How do you do, Mr. Mayor? Uh, we should like to ask a favor of you. Boys, you've come to the right party. Uh-huh. From the rock-bound coast of Maine to the sunny slops of California. <laughs> Mike Perry stands for honesty, integrity, and devotion to this great community. If you want a traffic ticket fixed, it'll cost you two bucks. Now look loose and quivery. That's not what we came to see you about. Well, if it's those stories about honest Mike taking graft, they're lies. I know that after two years in office on a salary of two thousand a year, I retired with over ninety thousand dollars in the bank. <laughs> but I can explain it. How? My wife was a very thrifty shopper. <laughs> the old girl must have run into some smashing bargains, though. No insinuations, brush lip. <laughs> of course, I did make a little money out of the new fire alarm boxes I installed. You had to put a quarter in before you pulled the lever. Well, that doesn't sound too bad. Well, the fire engine didn't come till you got two plums and a cherry. <laughs> We brought in a lot of dough. Well, see here, old man, uh, can we get down to business now? You see, we're here to get your recollections of Edgar Bergen. Bergen? Uh-huh. Edgar Bergen? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what does he do? Well, he's my partner. Oh, he's in the lumber business, eh? <laughs> now, look, Lumpy. Oh, wait a minute, now. Uh, surely you must remember Edgar Bergen. Oh, yes, indeed. Why, 20 years ago, on Arbor Day, we planted a tree in his honor. It was so weak, we had to put a stick in the ground beside it. Did the tree live? No, the tree died, but the stick grew. <laughs> what happened to the stick? Young man, did Bergen ever tell you how you happened to be? Well, that doesn't. I'll listen, guys. Uh, no. So, before we leave, do you have any other recollections of Edgar? Yes, I remember he did get into a little scrape with the police. Uh-huh. He drove a car that wasn't his. Did he, did he steal a car? Well, not exactly. Uh-huh. You see, he found it parked in front of a cemetery, and he figured the owner was dead. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Mayor. <laughs> The next person we interviewed was Bergen's old school teacher. She's 87 years old and retired now. Good afternoon, madam. We'd like to talk to you about Bergen. Oh, thanks. I'll have one. Have one Bergen? Oh, I thought you said a shot of bourbon. (laughs) My doctor says that for my health, I should have just a wee drop before going to bed. I see. You know something? I find myself going to bed four or five times a night. (laughs) She uses her hot water bottle for a chaser. Perhaps we didn't make ourselves quite clear. Uh, we should like to hear your recollections of Edgar Bergen, you see. Bergen? Yes. Uh, was he the little boy who dropped the live frog down my bottle? Before I got it out, I'd erased half the blackboard. <laughs> I thought I was something with my guided missile spitballs. <laughs> well, that doesn't sound exactly like Edgar. Tell us what kind of a pupil was Edgar. Oh, Edgar was very good in... Uh, oh, he was excellent in... Uh, 
Oh, he got good marks in the... He was a dope. <laughs> Thank you. The prosecution rests. <laughs> I don't understand it. Those people... Well, I guess we did a good job of impersonating those people. I hope Edgar falls for it. Turn that off, Ray. Hey, he's really good. So that's it, Charlie. It was all a fake. You hired actors to record all that slander about me. (laughs) Charlie, why? Why did you have to play a trick like that on our 15th anniversary? Begging? If it wasn't for tricks like that, we wouldn't have a 15th anniversary. Now, here is our lovely guest, Rosemary Clooney, with her second song of the evening, Looking for a Boy. I am just a little girl who's looking for a little boy, who's looking for a girl. Tell me, please, where can he be? The loving he will bring to me the harmony I'm dreaming of. It'll be goodbye. Love affairs are all arranged in heaven. My guardian angel's holding out on me. So I'm looking for a boy. But five foot six or seven. And won't be happy till I'm on his knees. I'll be blue until he comes my way. Hope he'll take the cue when I am I am just a little girl who's looking for a little boy, who's looking for a girl. Bergen will be back in a moment. Shine up your hair. Get the shampoo with shine in it. Richard Hutnut enriched cream shampoo. 
sunshine. Richard Hutnut shampoo shines up dull hair. Makes use of nature's own beauty secret, real egg formula. Egg is a natural beautifier for dry, dull hair. Scientists agree about that. And when you use Richard Hudnut Enriched Cream Shampoo, you get the natural benefits of real egg formula. How it shines up dull, drab hair. That's why the beauty experts at the Richard Hudnut Fifth Avenue Beauty Salon say, this is the shampoo with shine in it. You'll love using it. It's a smooth, fragrant liquid cream, and it makes your hair so shiny, so soft, so manageable. Shine up With Richard Hudnut Enriched Cream Shampoo. Oh, Mr. Baldwin, I just brought in two dozen eggs from the farm for Mr. Hudnut to use in his shampoo. Oh, well, that, that, that's wonderful, oh, sure, Mortimer. Sure, yeah. By the way, how much are you uh, asking for your eggs today? Well, I'm asking 60 cents a dozen for the big ones and 70 cents for the small ones. <laughs> but but why do you ask more for the small ones? Small ones are harder to find. Oh, Mortimer. <laughs> Bergen. Charlie, this is my old friend, Dr. Bope, who took care of my aches and pains when I was in grammar school. Uh, you know, Doctor, I've heard a lot about Decatur from Bergen. Why is it people from small towns are so proud of it? Well, Charlie, it may be the feeling that in a small town such as ours, where everybody knows all his neighbors, there is no such a thing as being ignored. Everybody is not only a person, but in this way, a personage. We never said there was that boy playing the piano at the show last night. We said that Bergen boy. This belonging and sharing is the precious heritage of all small towns. Heritage that is produced in many of our greatest Americans who derive their philosophy from this democratic condition. This is the CBS Radio Network. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.